I'll move some stuff around here. Hold on. And we're going to draw some stuff. Oh, man. Oh, I'm a, that's terrible. Oh, hold on. Somebody's got to come put, put this down for me a little bit. All right, there we go. That's that's fine. Yeah, I think we're I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? All right, well, praise the Lord. Well, I, I'm going to just talk loud. I'm, I'm going to just move this for now. Because I'm going to... End up like bumping my head on it or something. And I was talking. About, if you can't hear me, just like in the back, just like wave, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I'll pull it up. But um, man, I I'm so excited to be here with you guys, and and um, I feel the same way as Matt. Um, we really did hit it off, and so I, I praise the Lord for that. That has certainly made uh, our transition easier. But I'm thankful to be here with you guys. Um, and this really is exciting. This is Friday night. And, and, and I don't really know what a Friday night looks like in T-County, but um, where I'm from, there's a lot of things you can do on Friday night. And, uh, you know, you've chosen to be here and, and uh, be about the things of the Lord. So that's, uh, that's very exciting. That is an encouragement to me. That is an exciting thing to me. I know that is encouragement uh, to Matt as well. But, I mean, I, I just have to say, Every time, like every, not that, you know, I've done this a ton, but like every time I'm with, like, you know, you guys or those your age, it just shows me how old I really am. Like, doggone it. Like, I don't know how it happened, but somehow I got old. Um, I don't feel like it, but, um, you know, just so we'll just be honest here from the beginning. I'm 45 years old. I know I'm, I might. You heard 85. I know that. I understand that. I'm on my last leg. But that's how old I am. That's the truth. I don't feel that way. Uh, I'll try not to. But here's the thing. I remember when I was your age. I do. As long ago as it was, I still remember it. And I remember growing up in the what was the college and career class in a church in Kansas City by the name of Kansas City Baptist Temple and was under the ministry of a man named Alan Shelby. Some of you know him. And I just tell you, that was a great time in my life. It's where I met Sam Miles. Some of you know him. Some of you probably don't. Um, it's where I really started learning the Word of God. It's where God opened my eyes to some things that forever changed, forever altered um, the course of my life. It is where it was this when I was your age, when discipleship became real, when ministry really became a passion. It's uh, you know when I met and and began dating and eventually uh, married my wife Jennifer. Um, but it was it was during that time we actually met in high school. But it was during that time in college and career when we got married. Um, and I graduated from college. Let's see, this just sounds ridiculous. I, in December of 1995, I graduated college. Um, yeah, I know. And then we got married in January of 96. We, you know, we now have three kids. One of them is here. I won't embarrass them. Um, and then two others, uh, Jackson and Kate, are at home. So this coming January, Jennifer and I will be married 23 years. Uh, but it was during this time that God really knit our hearts together um, and set us on a path of ministry together. Um, so I say that just to give you, first of all, a little bit of background about me. But more importantly to let you know that this time in your life is a time that God wants to use to set the foundation for your future. And it doesn't mean that, that God can't get a hold of old people like me and, and change their lives and, and work through them. If he does. He does do that. I'm just saying, why make Him wait? You know, Why wait until you have a family and a mortgage and a dog and a broken down body? To commit your life to fully serving Him. Amen. So let this be the time that you make the important decisions that will set the direction for the rest of your life. And, and then, if you do that, God and His plan can guide those decisions regarding family and mortgage and a dog and everything else that fights for your time and your treasure and your talents. So I hope that's why you're here tonight. Because here's the thing. Here's what I know. In spite of me, I know this. I know that God wants to work. I know that for a fact. 
Because that's what He does. And I know He wants to use this weekend as a turning point in someone's life. And so I pray and have been praying that you will listen. And not and when I say that, I really don't mean listen to me, but, but listen to God. Amen. If that's through me, it's through other conversations, whatever. Listen to God. And when you hear from Him, don't cast it aside, yeah. but respond. And be obedient in that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, here's what I want to do before we get started. We're, we're about to get into this, and we're going to do a little bit of we're going to do a little Bible study. I, I'm going to jot some stuff down, and, and so you have to kind of bear with me here at the beginning. But I just want to take a second. I want to pray. But here's what I want to do. I want you all to pray. Just just to yourself. We're not breaking up into groups. We're not doing. We're not praying out loud. We're not doing anything. I just want you to take a second. I want you to to take time to pray and commit this weekend to the Lord. Whatever uh, whatever you need to pray about, whatever you need to just sort of clear off now, do that. Take a minute and pray, and then I'll come and I'll pray, and then and then we'll get into it. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, want to come to you tonight and express our love to you, express our gratitude to you, Lord. Um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity we have to be together. I think thankful for e- each and every person that's here um, that that has come, Lord, to hear from you. And and Lord, there are other things they could be doing, and they're here. So Lord, I pray that you speak to them, speak to to the areas in their life that they need. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit prompts change. Lord, I pray that you move me completely out of the way uh, tonight, especially, Lord. And I just, um, I pray that your Holy Spirit has free reign. Um, and I pray that the, the your words and exactly what you want uh, said it goes forth. Lord, I pray that, that everything that is said is true to your word and it is glorifying uh, to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we got a little bit of work to do. Um, over these next, you know, whatever, 18 hours. I know you guys will be here, you know, for a while, but tonight um, and tomorrow. So obviously, this, these are all, this is all going to kind of go together. We're going to try to lay a foundation of some stuff tonight that will carry over into tomorrow. And like I said, I really am, I mean it, I am really excited to be here speaking to you this weekend. And I say that because you guys are it. All right, you are the future, and this church does not succeed. First Baptist Church does not succeed without you, and I mean that. I, I mean it, and and you are that important. And and like Matt said, he asked me, you know, a few months ago, even to do this. And so I've obviously been praying about um, what we're going to talk about this weekend, and I and I landed on um, I landed on a passage in particular. And, and out of that passage, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about, kind of build off of two primary concepts, um, two characteristics, biblical characteristics that we need in our life. And we're going to talk about how those, are, those specific characteristics are attacked. We're going to talk about the answer, because there's always an answer in the Bible, and then we're going to give an application. And so, um, so that's what we're going to look at, and, and, and we're going to pull these these two characteristics out of these two verses in Second Peter, uh, chapter three. So, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, I invite you to go ahead and turn there. I think I think the passage is also listed in your in your outline, uh, the booklet there. So, if you want to just look off that, that's fine too. We're looking at Second Peter uh, chapter three, verses seventeen and eighteen. 
Second Peter is what is you know referred to as, as one of the general epistles. So it's not a Pauline epistle. It's not doctrinally um, written directly to the church. Obviously, there's a lot of doctrine we can still pull out for us and, 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 um, and a lot of, of inspirational and, and applications that we can make in that sense. The main focus of Second Peter is, is a warning. And it's a warning in light of the second coming. And, and that's what Peter was doing to, to hit the converts that he had in his life and to the believers that he was writing to. And he was warning them to get things in order and get things right because the Lord's coming is at hand. And listen, all, all I can say about that, you know, there's people that will say, well, man, you see Peter and Paul and John and those guys were writing that the Lord is coming back um, any day. And you know what? They were right. That means we're even closer. So it's come. They, they weren't wrong to say that. Prophecies had been fulfilled. Everything was in order. They weren't wrong when they said that. It was at hand. And it is still at hand. And so in light of the return of the Lord for us, for the church, is the rapture. We need to get some things in order. And we need to understand some things. And there's a couple key characteristics that we need to have in our life particularly in, in these last days. And, and we're going to deal with them um, one at a time. The, the two that we're going to deal with are integrity and steadfastness. Integrity and steadfastness. But let, let's look at these verses and then let's get into it. Second Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, and that phrase, these things, you should circle in your Bible from a Bible study standpoint. So we're not going to take time... To, to give you everything, but that phrase, these things you see over and over in the book of Second Peter, and what it's referring to goes all the way back to chapter 1 on the list of the things that, that Peter told, told that group to add to, with diligence to add to their faith, virtue, knowledge, that list. And so, so anytime you see these things, because he says, if these things be in you, Right, so that's that's he's he's harking all the way back to chapter one. Therefore, beloved, see you know these things before. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we have a warning here that we need to take special attention to in regards to the possibility of being led away and falling, especially in these last days. Man, we're too close to the end to, to fall away now, to be led away by the error of the wicked. And, and there is an attack on us daily with regards to two specific things. And like I told you, it is our integrity and our steadfastness. And we're going to deal with them one at a time and then we're going to bring it all together. So like I said, you have to stick with me here in a little bit. We have to do a little bit of a Bible study uh, here, here at the beginning. So first we have integrity. Alright, so first we have integrity. And, and I know that you guys have been talking about integrity through your study of Joseph on Tuesday nights, Right? Just say yes for Matt's sake. Yes, yeah. absolutely. No, a hundred percent. You've been talking about that, and I hope you understand how important that topic is because integrity gets to who you really are. Right. So before we get too far down the road, um, let's start with this. How, how would you define integrity? Character. Character. How else? Shoot out some words. Honesty. Doing things that are honorable. What else? Anything else? One more. Wisdom. All right. I like it. All right. So our character, these are all right. It's, it's, it's being wise. It's being honorable. It's being honest in our character. The way, the way the Bible defines it, in addition to these, is perfect, complete, to be full, and to be innocent. Right, And those all have kind of specific meanings and, and specific passages that, that you might find that word. So if you are a person of integrity, and I think this is a blank here on your outline sheet, that means you live a life of innocence. Innocence is the blank. 
in the face of the Lord. A life of maturity or completeness with the Lord. So what that means is a life where you're not guilty of ill motives and ungodly intentions. And you're doing the right things for the right reasons because of righteousness. Because you are righteous in the Lord, so you're living righteous because of the Lord. Or to put this in a term that, that we like to use today, your heart is right. Right? We use that term. Man, you got to get your heart right. Uh, you know, if you don't you know, root for Ohio State, you know, your heart's not right or something like that. And so, and so that, you know, that's a phrase we use today, and it's actually a very good way to describe it. Because when we talk about integrity, we are talking about an issue of the heart. The first mention of integrity found in the Bible is Genesis 20, verse 5. And so that's another of your blanks there. First mention of integrity found in Genesis chapter 25. And, that, and you guys might know the story as dealing with Abimelech. So Abraham and his wife Sarah, um, they're traveling. They come to Abimelech. And, and, and you know Abraham has this bright idea because he's scared of Abimelech. Sarah is beautiful. And he's like, hey, I think he's really going to like you. So why don't you tell him that you're my sister? You know, and so you know, he has this idea. And then God intervened in that situation. And, and in verse 3, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to have a lot of verses. I'm going to have you turn to some verses. When I don't have you turn to verses, we don't have PowerPoint. You just need to listen. So Genesis 20, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not to me, she is my sister, and she even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, and innocency of my hands, have I done this? So, the very first mention of, of, of integrity in the Bible sets up the context of, of innocency, it, it being innocent, and it's, the, it's of our heart. So it is a heart issue. We find that it is tied to the heart. So that's another one of your blanks there. And that is a consistent theme in the Bible. Listen to a couple of the other verses. 1 Kings 9.4 says, If thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart. And speaking of David, and his leadership over the nation of Israel. Psalm 78, 72 says, So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So integrity in your life or in my life or the lack of integrity is a hard issue. And our integrity is a revealer of the condition of our heart. And the condition of your heart, who you really are and what you're really about, is extremely important to the Lord. This should come as no surprise. It should obviously come as no surprise as you spend any time in the Word of God. The word heart is found over 800 times in the Bible. Over 800. And considering there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible, you're not going to have to read too far till you come across a passage dealing with our heart. And it's not talking about, we'll explain this a little bit, but it's not talking about the organ. Just the organ. It's who you are. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And there are very important passages because of the importance of our heart that we need to pay attention to. Very important admonitions. So, for example, Proverbs 4.23. Anybody know what Proverbs 4.23 says? Keep your heart with all Nice. Yeah, I, I like that. Good job. That's it. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. So, you're going to have to meditate on some of these words. I didn't write down. This is hard. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. That's an interesting statement. And we're to keep our heart with all diligence, and it is an issue of, an issue of diligence, because Mark 7, verses 21 through 23, says that, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, 
wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And Jeremiah 17, verses 9-10 through 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord searched the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In Proverbs 14, 14, there's more good news with respect to our heart. It says, The backslider and heart shall be filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So on one hand, we have things which defile a man that come from the heart. And, and the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And when we backslide, it is a heart problem. But then on the other hand, we have it's the place that the issues of life come out of. It's like, well, what's that mean? The issues of life are just this. It is what your life consists of. Those are the issues of life. And so we have this problem. Because the heart is, is desperately wicked, is deceitful. It is what defiles a man. And yet it makes up who we are and what comes out of our life. So you may be thinking, hey... That doesn't sound very encouraging. And it's not a very hopeful message. How can that turn out so okay if the heart is so bad? Well, it, the answer begins in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, as you give your heart to the Lord. Right? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt what? Believe in thine heart. God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you decide, you make a free will decision to believe what the Bible says about you, to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and you believe it in your core, in your heart, who you are, man. That's what it's about. It's not about what you say. It's about what you truly believe. But after you do that, After you're giving your heart to the Lord, according to Proverbs 4.23, you have to keep it. You have to keep it with all diligence. And that means to guard or protect. So as believers, we are called upon to protect our heart, to guard our heart, or to put another way, to maintain our integrity. Because again, integrity is tied to the heart. That is making sure the issues of your life are about what He wants and not only about what you want. And that is our responsibility as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. And it really is, man. It is so important. Especially especially for you guys as you are making decisions that will forever impact the rest of your life. Regarding how you're going to spend the time that you've been given. Regarding who you're going to spend that time with. And for what purpose. And that gets to our second concept which is steadfastness. Okay, so we're, we're called to maintain integrity. We're called to keep with all diligence our hearts so that the issues of our life, what our life is about, is glorifying to Him. And so we're called to protect it, to guard it. This is where steadfastness comes in. And... and and you may be thinking, well, I don't really know what steadfast means. That's fine. I didn't either. So now, but now I do. I've done the work. So I'll just cut to the bottom line, just for the sake of time. And it means to be set. That, that's in your. That's a blank in your outline sheet. There, it's a set to be fixed, to be firm or secure. And we see this word or, or some form of it twenty three times in the Bible. And it's just a good, strong King James word, man. Amen. And so let me show you a few times um, this word is used. And I think you'll understand exactly what it means. The Bible has a way of defining itself pretty well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Luke 9, 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he, speaking of Jesus, should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
And the prophetic picture of this is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 50 and verse 7. Anyone know what that... Isaiah 57, anyone know what that, that verse says? Or what it's referring to? It says, He set His face as a flint, as a rock. So Isaiah 57 is your cross-reference for Luke 9.51. But it's a rock. It's that strong. He set His face as a flint. And then 1 Peter 5, verses 8-9 through 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And that's just a few of the 23 times this word is used. But I hope it gives you a picture. It is a strong word. It is a, it is a, a word used in times that security, firmness, strength is needed. And in the exact same way that integrity is tied to the heart, steadfastness is tied to the mind. Right? So we have these issues here that we're called to. We're called to integrity. But our heart's deceitfully wicked, man. But, but we're called to steadfastness. To be steadfast. So that we're not... And that's why... And we're going to see this in a second. I'm jumping ahead. But we're going to see... What the attack is, is to be led away from your own steadfastness. Alright? And there's a reason why the attack is steadfastness. Because, I mean, the attack is here. But this is where it goes. Alright? I'll ex- just stay with me. I'll explain it all to you. Sorry, I'm, j- I'm jumping ahead. I'm getting excited. Um, so the first mention of steadfastness in the Bible, as, as the first mention of integrity, it gives you the context of the meaning of the word. The first mention of steadfastness is found in Ruth chapter 1, verse 18. So that's a blank there in your outline sheet. Ruth 1.18. If you don't know the story of Ruth, um, you know, Ruth lost her husband along with you know, her sister lost her husband and her, her mother-in-law had lost her husband. And so all the men are dead. And, and Naomi, her mother-in-law, tried to get these two girls to go back to, to Moab, to go back to their homeland and, and, and you know, serve the gods they used to. And, and one did, Ruth did it. And so Orpha did. Ruth has said this in, in Ruth 1.18. It says, When she, Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And Ruth said, I, No, where you go, I go. Your God will be my God. And, um, and, and Ruth is a beautiful story. Uh, the, the story of Boaz and the kinsman redeemer and what it pictures for us. Um, and so she was steadfastly minded to go after Naomi. So steadfastness is connected to the mind just as integrity is connected to the heart. And there's a very interesting connection in the Bible between our heart and our mind. And therefore, integrity and steadfastness. Okay? So be turning to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. I want to show you this. This is another one of these big verses. Dealing with our heart, you know, to, to keep our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, that is, a, that is a, man, that is a heavy verse. That is a big verse. Proverbs 23, 7 is another one. <clears throat> it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, that's who you are. Eat and drink, saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Now listen, this is a very, very powerful verse. And again, it shows the importance of our heart. And what is in your heart, again, is who you really are. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. But that verse is also very, very intriguing to me. Because I want you to look at it again. For as he thinketh in his heart. And when I read that verse, I wonder things like, how does our heart think? I I know it feels... I know it believes. How does it think? So man thinketh in his heart. And the answer is because it's connected to the mind. And listen, you consistently see the heart and the mind paired together in Scripture. 
This is what everybody's after, man. The devil is after your heart. God is after your heart. This is the key. But they got to go through your mind to get there. Wow. So man thinketh in his heart. The heart and the mind are consistently paired together in Scripture. First Chronicles 28.9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Daniel 5 verse 20, speaking about Nebuchadnezzar, says, When his heart was lifted up, and his mind was hardened in pride. When his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Psalm 139 verse 23 is a psalm of David. He's crying out, and at the end of that chapter, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. So our heart and our mind, and we could go on and on. We don't have the time, but we could go on and on with verses like that. And our heart and our mind are connected. And if you go back to Proverbs 23.7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you study that verse, you will see exactly how they are connected. And guess what? I've done the study. And when I did the study, I learned that there's only one time that the Hebrew word translated thinketh in Proverbs 23.7. That's the only time that that Hebrew word is found in your Bible. And it has a very interesting definition. Let's cap. Alright, just making sure. I was just trying to protect you guys. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm here for you. So it's the only time you find this Hebrew word in your Bible. Here's an, it has a very interesting definition. This is on your outline sheet. What that word means, thank you, is to act as a gatekeeper. To act as a gatekeeper. So what that means is the mind is the gatekeeper to your heart. So how do you protect and guard your heart with all diligence? How do you maintain your integrity? You get your mind right. And you get your mind right and you set your mind right through biblical steadfastness. And that is where our theme text in 2 Peter comes back in. Because we see that there is an attack on us. Again, there is an attack on our heart. And there is an attack on our integrity. The enemy is after your heart. But you've heard this statement before, but the battlefield is the mind. The route, the gatekeeper to your heart. He doesn't have direct access to your heart. But he does have access to your mind. And that's where the attack is. It is on our mind. That's why we are called to steadfastness. Our heart is so important, so we're called to integrity. But our mind is the gatekeeper, and our mind is so important, so we're called to steadfastness. These are two critical characteristics of a believer that wants to be about the Lord with their life. And when Satan attacks us, he's attacking on different fronts. But as always, the Word of God gives the answer. Amen. So in the course of our time, tonight, tomorrow morning, we're going to look at just that. We're going to look at, at, at attacks on our heart and our mind. The, the, the real goal of the heart, but the attack is on the mind as well. And we're going to see the answer from the Word, and then we're going to give you the application. How we realize the answer for us. Because it's one thing to know the answer, but you have to apply that answer to make it work. So let's look again at Second Peter 3, verses 17 and 18 again. We're going to try to break this down. Second Peter three seventeen and 18. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we see there are forces out there trying to lead us away. They wanted our heart. They're after it. And that phrase, led away, in 2 Peter 3.17, means seduced 
or tempted. Which leads to our first key thought this weekend there on your outline sheet. And the place we have to start tonight and what we all have to know and understand and that is this. You have to understand that your heart and therefore your mind are at war with temptation. So you're at war with temptation. That is the first attack. And, and your integrity is being attacked by temptation, but in the face of that attack, we're called to steadfastness. So like I told you, um, there's an answer. And that's, that's, that's the, first of all, that's the attack, temptation, or because I am weird um, about everything starting with the same letter, I, I use seduction. Because the word really means to seduce. Uh, but it's temptation. So... So the first attack is seduction. But we're at war with, with that, with temptation. And, and we're going to look at the other two tomorrow morning. We're just going to get through this first one tonight. Uh, but if you're going to remain steadfast, if you're going to protect your heart and your integrity, then you have to be able to overcome the seduction, the temptations of the enemy, the temptations that you face from, from Satan, from this world, from your own flesh. And I choose those words and that key thought very intentionally. Our heart and our mind are at war with temptation. And it is a war, and it is serious. And there's too much at stake to not take it seriously. And God wants you to protect your heart and to be steadfast in your mind. So that means He wants you to be steadfast in your doctrine. Amen. That means if you're unmarried, He wants you to protect your heart and remain steadfast in purity. He wants you to protect your heart and be steadfast in your trust of Him and your love for Him. And I think if there's... One thing, unfortunately there are many things, but if there's one thing that Christianity is missing today, I think it's that. I think we don't really care where our heart goes because we are steadfast. And we don't protect our mind. So we allow all this stuff to come in our mind and it seeps down to our heart. We open the gate to our heart. And because we're not steadfast, we have people falling to seducing spirits all around us. Now people are giving up on their Bible or they're giving up on their marriages or they're giving up on church, whatever. They're just giving up. Because they're not steadfast. They're not set. They're not secure. And they're not, not controlling and protecting their mind. And I'm telling you, Satan is at war with us and he's attacking you through temptation. So we have to answer this head on if we want to learn to be steadfast. We have to know how to handle seduction or temptation. Which, by the way is the lust of the flesh. 1 John 2.16 That's really terrible. I apologize. You can't. <laughs> lust of the flesh, temptation, it's coming after our mind. We'll get to all these by the time it's all said and done. Um, but, but like I've said many times, the beautiful thing about Scripture is the answer is always there. And in our text, Peter gives us the answer. Verse 17, "...ye therefore, beloved, see ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness." And so the first attack on us is seduction or temptation. But the answer to that attack is to guard. To guard, to beware. And that, that's what that word beware in 2 Peter 3.17 means. It means to guard. Because temptation is, is coming at us. And at the bottom line, how you deal with temptation is in direct proportion to how much integrity you have. Because if you don't handle, if you're not steadfast in your mind, temptation comes, you open the door to your heart, and it's defiled. So if you can't overcome the temptations and the seductions that come your way, then you're not innocent in, in, in the face of the Lord. So how do we do it? If temptation is our attack and guarding is our answer, how do we guard? And the best answer to that, I believe, is found in the example of Jesus and His interaction with the devil in Matthew chapter 4. You can also see it in Luke chapter 4. And so we've got to look at that. So be turning to Matthew chapter 4. And then break this down. Yeah. 
So Matthew chapter 4, we'll look at verses 1 through 10 because, because this, is, this is the attack um, here that you get. It's, it's temptation on, 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 on three different levels. So you see those lust of the flesh, uh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all in three different instances here in, in the aspect of temptation. But we don't have time. There's a ton to cover in this. And when we don't have time, I promise, I'm, I don't even know how long I've gone, but I promise we'll work our way through it um, uh, as quickly as possible. But there's, we're going to stop along the way, and I'm going to point out some things that w- will bring us to our application. Right. So every time I stop, there's some, some important things that we need to know. And then, but we get the answer. We get the answer from Jesus. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then it was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, so we've got to stop there after, after verse 1. Um, and like I said, everything I point out, I promise, is going to lead to the application. And there's something you have to see in verse 1, and that's his note number 1 there in your outline sheet. And that is, sometimes it is God's idea for you to be tempted. Just so you can demonstrate the integrity you have through Christ. Sometimes it is God's idea for you to be tempted. So you can demonstrate the integrity you have through Christ. And so I don't know if you saw that. But the Bible says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. The Spirit, capital S, led Jesus into the wilderness. And so, so that was God's idea. So what that means is when it comes to temptation... We shouldn't always be on the defense. Sometimes we should be on the offense. But here's our problem with that. We see temptation as only negative. And understand why. We just see the struggle, the trial, the man, just the, the, how, the difficulty, all that. But listen, that's the wrong outlook. What we need to be seeing is the potential to serve God. Amen. We need to see the potential to be steadfast Amen. for Him in the face of temptation. To main, in, maintain integrity through adversity like Joseph. And you need to get this. Because many times in our life, the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. And He leads us into supernatural encounters with spiritual forces. Why? Why would He do that? Because God is out to demonstrate the superiority of living like Jesus did. And God does not allow us to be tempted by the devil in order for us to fall and fail. God allows you to be proven so that you can prove something. He's out for you to be steadfast like Jesus was through the temptation. And demonstrate His superiority to a watching world. I mean, think Job. So view your temptations that way. It gives you an opportunity to be steadfast to God's glory as you maintain a good testimony for Him. Now look at verse 2. And we'll walk through all these. We'll we'll go down 2 through 10. And then we'll kind of break it it down. But we'll read through this the rest of the way. I just wanted to point that out to start. Verse 2. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Man, so we see this personal attack on Jesus by Satan. He's trying to get Jesus to fall. He's trying to lead him away. And he's in direct opposition to Jesus' steadfastness. And he's attacking his heart. And he's hitting him on all these multiple fronts. But in all of them, Satan attacks Jesus by trying to tap into his own personal desires over God's purpose. And this is big for us. Because each one of us have our own personal desires, our own personal hungers that drive us. 
And, and don't think the enemy does not know what those are. And he stays in your ear with them. He's trying to get you to break. Trying to get you to fall from your own steadfastness. And he's saying, you know, God hasn't given you what you were fasting for, has He? And you've been hunting for a spouse this long, God hasn't brought you one along yet. You've been praying for a change this long, God hasn't supplied it yet. You've been expecting an answer for God, but He hasn't given you one yet, has He? And God's not really that good to you, because if He was, you would have eaten by now. And we hear that in our heads over and over because the enemy knows exactly where he can attack us. But what we also have to remember during those times is that God knows our personal desires and our personal hungers as well. That does not escape Him. So note number two is this. You have to realize that your unfulfilled hungers and desires are not only within God's knowledge, they are a part of God's plan. And if you want to guard against seduction like 2 Peter 3.17 tells you to do, you have to grasp that point. You have to have that mental framework. You have to get your mind right and set your mind right in steadfastness before Him. But then after you have that settled, You have to know how to counterattack, which is leading us to the application. Because notice the weapon Jesus uses in the battle. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, But He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And verse 10, And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And you already know the point here. But a guarding against seduction and temptation, Jesus' first action was to declare His submission to what God had written. And He used God's words. And so should we. But here is the obvious conclusion to that. To use His words, you have to know His words. Right. Yep. So God did not give us a Bible to neglect it, for us to neglect it. Amen. He did not give us a Bible to carry to church to make people think we spend time in it. God gave us a Bible as our sword. So when Satan shows up, cut him. God wants you to use the Word. But like I said, you can't use what you don't read. You can't pray what you don't know. And for you to know something, it has to get inside you. So you need to give time to meditation. You've got to read the Word and meditate on the Word. And let your thoughts go running on the Word. And casting down imaginations according to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Renewing your mind. You need to cleanse yourself according to 2 Corinthians 7 1. How do you do that? By the washing of the water of the Word. Yes, Ephesians 5.26 Joshua 1.8 tells us, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, this is an if-then statement, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Listen, I don't, I don't know if you caught the words there. Then thou shalt make... It doesn't say God will make the way prosperous. You can make your own way prosperous by meditating on the Word of God. You, can, you have the answer. You don't have to just wait for God to do something. You can make your own way prosperous. You can choose success in this life, which, by the way, is the only time success is mentioned in the Bible, here in Joshua 1.8. It gives you the definition. By meditating, reading and meditating, that's how you're successful. So if you want to steadfastly protect your mind and guard your heart, meditate on His words. Listen, Satan has tricked us. Because if He can keep our minds occupied with anything else and not from meditating on the Word of God, then He could defeat us. Because that is our only answer. And not only does Jesus answer Satan with the Word of God, in doing so, He describes its importance. Look back at verse 4 again. But He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
And this is a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3. In Deuteronomy 8.3, Moses is explaining to Israel how it, how it was that they got through the wilderness. And God said, I will feed you with manna. And that's what He did. And that's how they... And that manna is a picture of the Word of God that, that was given daily, by the way. And we'll look at that a, a little later on. But and, and I promise, a little later on, we're almost done. But... I mean, kind of. Um, and, and that was given daily, and you couldn't store it up for tomorrow. You had to go get tomorrow's manna tomorrow. But God said, I will feed you with manna, and here is what you need to get out of that. We have to understand that life does not depend on eating, life depends on who provides what you eat. Amen. So depend on Him and depend on His words when you're going through temptation. Because you don't find life by getting what you want. You don't find life by falling to temptation. You find life by getting what God gives you. Man lives by every word that falls from God's mouth. And if God doesn't give it, then we won't have it. And Jesus was hungry. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and He needed bread, but He was not about to go get life from something God did not supply Him. And too many times we make the excuse, but I'm hungry. And I know God surely doesn't want me to starve. I can't serve Him if I, don't, if I starve. So I, don't, you know, I won't exactly guard against this attack because I need it. I need this. And we do it because the devil tempts us with something innocent. So we fall instead of patiently being steadfast like Jesus. And there's another thing you need to understand. When temptation is at its strongest, this is note number three. God does not want us being led away to satisfy even a legitimate need. God does not want us being led away to satisfy even a legitimate need if that satisfaction is not coming from Him. The enemy wants to get you to fall from your own steadfastness and he can be successful in that attack when you distrust God's provision. And you will distrust God's provision, provision if you don't know God's Word. So in the midst of the temptation, the Bible is your only weapon. Be sure you know how to use it. So, so when I say know your Bible, I mean know your Bible in context, not just verses in isolation. You know 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Be able to divide the Word of God. See how that verse fits within the chapter, book, testament. And if you can't talk, if you can't do that, talk to Matt, talk to Ryan, talk to these guys, and ask him how you can learn. If the Bible is to be interpreted by comparing Scripture with Scripture, that way you can make sure you've got the Holy Spirit's interpretation, not just man's opinion. And listen, here's a key to what Jesus was able to do. He was able to thwart the devil because he knew how to use the right Scriptures at the right time to make just the right argument. And that was his guard. So when God's, what God's will made no provision for, he decided to view providentially. If God didn't give him food, there must be a reason why. He decided if he didn't get it from God, he didn't really need it. And so listen to me and get this down. The only right that you possess as a Christian is a right to fulfill God's will through God's Word. That's the only right you possess as a Christian. You can't claim any other rights. You can't claim your own rights. Why? Because you've been bought with a price. You, in your free will, gave yourself to the Lord. And as you gave yourself to the Lord, you exchanged your life for Christ's life. Colossians 3.4 And the world and the devil's temptation say you have to do this to live. Turn, turn stones to bread or whatever. But the Word of God says no. Now you live to do God's will. And the Bible never says that following God's will is easy. In fact, Following God's will will cost you dearly. But don't ever get crossways with God's will. Right? That's the cross. You know, when we're told to bear our cross, the cross is when your will crosses His will. Go His way. That's bearing your cross. Not my will, but Thine. 
It's His will. That's the only right you have. To have His will in your life through His Word. And Jesus' message is that physical life that is sustained by bread is not the first priority. And remember, He was saying this after not eating for 40 days. If there has to be a choice between sustaining spiritual life and physical life, then the latter has to go hungry. That's what He was saying. We owe Him everything. So seek to know Him through His Word. And that's what you have to guard in the midst of the temptation as the lust of the flesh attack you. The Word of God is the guard. And that's where you have to be steadfast so that your heart doesn't backslide. So they're not led away with the error of the wicked. So let me give you the application to all this and we'll be done. We have a consistent attack on our heart. The first of which is seduction or temptation. The enemy is actively trying to lead us away. The answer to that attack is to steadfastly guard. And the way you do that is looking at the example of Jesus. I mean, so think back. So so we have Jesus' Jesus's example. Think back to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Right? When she was attacked, where did she go wrong? She didn't know God's words. She said, you know, he said, oh, you know, Satan comes and the serpent comes to her and is like, you know, what, what's going on? And she's like, well, if I eat or touch of it. God never said that. She got his words wrong. Eve didn't know his words and so she fell. Well, Jesus got him right. And he didn't fall. So it is, what he said was, it is written, it is written, it is written. So what that means is that the steadfastness in the hour of temptation is assured to only those who know the Word of God. And not just in letter, but in spiritual significance. It, it's, that's it. It's, it is just who knows it in letter and in spiritual significance. And so what that means is that you have to learn the Word of God. And so that is your application. Learn the Word. But here's the thing about that. To really know the Word in this way, you have to have a relationship with the Word of God every day. And you can't be hit and miss and expect to remain steadfast. You know, Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23 says, "...it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed." Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. This is a great verse. It says, Lord's mercies are new every morning. They're there every day without fail. Because great is His faithfulness. But what that means is you have to go get them every day. See, mercies you get from God today, they may not apply tomorrow. He's got something new for you just in the same way that He had new manna. But how are you going to get them tomorrow? if you don't spend time in His Word tomorrow. I didn't expect to make it through Saturday and Sunday if you don't get in His Word and get His mercies for Saturday and Sunday. And we sit around and complain about how hard the temptations are, how tough it is to remain steadfast. And all God is saying is, I have mercies for you today to get through today's battle. Did you come get them? And the mercies are available, but if you want them, you have to spend time in His Word. I'll show you. Psalm 85.10. You just write this down or it's there on your outline sheet. You know what that verse says? It says mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And that's how it works. If you want mercy, you have to have truth. Because mercy comes through truth. And we know from John 17.17 17, that His Word is truth. Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. So you receive the mercy to get through the day, to remain steadfast at the attacks that come at you by getting into God's word every day. And when you do that, it becomes more than just another good book. It becomes your source of comfort and guidance and strength and power. It becomes your lens to the world and to yourself. And the Word of God becomes your mirror that you see everything through and you get a true picture of everything around you. 
There's 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 through 18. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And we can see God's glory through this book, and it becomes a mirror in our life. And if we look at it every day, we will see ourselves change. And it's the same thing as an actual mirror, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. Mirror is going to tell you exactly what's going on with your body. And if you're gaining weight, the mirror is your worst enemy. And if you're losing weight, it's your best friend. The Word of God is the same. Go to it. Allow God to teach you through it. And you'll see yourself exactly how you are every day. And you'll see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But if you keep going to it, you'll see God begin to mold your life. And you'll begin to look like you've never looked before. Because you'll begin to look more like Jesus. And when Satan attacks, you'll have an answer. But you have to know what he said. You have to know the Word of God through a daily relationship with the Word of God. There's one more interesting thing. And then I promise I'll be done. I know. It's brutal. I'm going to say it anyway, just because Vinny said that. Um, And there's there's, there's one more interesting thing about how Jesus handled Satan. And, and that is, and just listen to this statement, and I'll explain it. Jesus went out in, out of the wilderness full of the Spirit to be, to be tempted, and He came back in the power of the Spirit. Because in the wilderness, He agreed to be led of the Spirit. So let me, let me show this to you. Look, flip over real quick to Luke. Luke chapter 4. I promise we're almost done. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay. So Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So He went out, went in, went out, whatever you want to say, full of the Spirit. Now skip down to verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him throughout all the region round about. So he came back. He came back in the power of the Spirit. So here's the thing. If you are a Christian, you always enter temptation full of the Spirit of God. Right? He's in you. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you. He's ready to help. The question is, how do you emerge? And what I mean by that is we enter every temptation in ownership of all the resources necessary to remain steadfast in the faith and to guard our heart. But the power of the Spirit in victory is only seen when during the process of being tempted, you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit to rely on the Word of God. And that's big. If you know the Word of God, you have the power in you to defeat the devil when you battle him. But you only see that power, you only see it played out when you actively work the Word of God in your situation. You have to give the Spirit of God something to work through. And that is the answer to those of you thinking, listen, I kind of know the Word of God. I think I kind of have... I mean, I may not know it like some people, but... I got a little bit of a handle of it, and I still struggle. I still struggle with temptation. Why? Why doesn't it work for me? Well, my question to you is do you know the Word of God here or here? If you only know it here, the Spirit can't use it. You know why? Because there's a gatekeeper. There's a gatekeeper called our mind. And, and, and the exact same way the mind is a gatekeeper to the heart for bad things, it's also a gatekeeper for good things. So as you put the Word in your heart, or as you're putting the Word in your head, are you allowing it to penetrate to your heart? 
And like I said, that gives us the application that we've already talked about. The attacks temptation, the answers to guard, and the application is to learn the Word of God. And again, learn it here and not just here. So, so we do the exact opposite. We got a gatekeeper between here and here. And when the temptation comes, the gate's wide open. And, and the devil has access to our heart. But then when we're, you know, when, when, we're, when we're learning the Word of God for the wrong reasons without integrity, the gate closes. And it just stays here. The Spirit can't use here. The Spirit can only use what's in your heart. And so, learn it in your heart and not just your head. Learn it in the way that the Spirit of God is able to use it. Have a real relationship with God through the Word of God. Seek the mercies that are new every morning. Don't only seek facts. Learn about and learn God as you spend time with Him. And learn that He is worth it. He is worth steadfastly guarding your heart for. And I told you guys at the beginning of this this time that I'm excited to be here. Because you guys are it. And you guys are the future. And I completely mean that. But listen, the future is now. And it's time for us all to take a step up for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of our church, for the sake of your lost friends. You hold the words of eternal life in your hands. So learn what they say. And if you don't, you will eventually fall to the seduction of the world. Don't do that. Learn the Word of God and make a difference in your life, in your friends, in this city, in our church, in this world. Listen, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? You will be attacked, but you do have the answer. So will you apply it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we we love You. We thank You so much for Your Word and and just that it does provide the answer for us in in all these areas of life. And, And we'll look at a couple more attacks tomorrow morning, but... But Lord, I just um, I just pray this one that is so strong in all of us as we deal with the lust of the flesh and the things concerning the, the way we are tempted. And, and Lord, I just pray that you just help us to, to learn and get a handle on your word, not just in our head, but in our heart, so that, so that we can be steadfast for you, so that we can maintain our integrity uh, for your glory. Lord, we love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Trey. Um, just before these guys get going, you know, Troy said that the the future.